I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The story I'm telling you today is about a young black girl who went missing in Washington, D.C. in February 2014. She was only eight years old at the time of her disappearance, but the manner of her disappearance, the people in her life prior to her disappearance, and the events that happened after her disappearance paint a confounding and alarming picture. How did Relisha Rudd disappear? Why was she missing for 18 days before police were notified? And what do we know now, seven years after she vanished? I'm your host, Nisa. Welcome to the Lost Crimes Library. Let's examine the tragic story of Relisha Rudd. Relisha Rudd was born on October 29, 2005, and it seemed like from the beginning of this little girl's life, the odds were against her. By the time she was eight years old in 2014, Relisha had already endured housing insecurity, homelessness, and evictions from apartments where gunfire and violence was common. For most of her young life, Relisha and her family had lived in the D.C. General Shelter. At this homeless shelter, she lived with her mother and her three brothers. The shelter was not the best place for a child to grow up. It was located next to a morgue, the D.C. jail, and a methadone clinic. It had persevered through many closures and reopenings throughout the years. After being used as a healthcare facility for centuries, the building was eventually converted to a homeless shelter that could house up to 800 families at a time. Relisha dreaded staying at the D.C. general shelter so much that she would stay at an aunt's house or a friend's house as much as she could. She told her aunt that she hated staying there because it was infested with bugs and the food wasn't good. So she used school as an escape from her life. Relisha attended Payne Elementary School before her disappearance, and staff at the school could tell that Relisha was unhappy with her living situation and was living a life that no eight-year-old should be living. According to a Washington Post article, adults who were close to her at her old school described her arriving with filthy clothes, dirty hair, and an empty stomach, and they said she often didn't want to leave. Relatives say that it got so bad that Relisha would fake asthma attacks just so she could stay at her other family members' homes. But occasionally, there were good times for Relisha. She was part of a cheerleading squad at her old school, and she occasionally attended two after-school programs, a much-needed reprieve from the unsteady world around her. School staff and shelter volunteers saw both an eager young girl who wanted to participate in activities 
that would distract her from her reality, and a young girl who was struggling. Her cheerleading coach would sometimes help Relisha wash up in a restroom at school, and would provide clean clothes for her, which the coach specifically kept on hand for Relisha. And social workers responded to at least three reports of abuse or neglect within the family, with police called at least twice. Relisha had been on a constant rotation, from one caregiver to the next, and somewhere along the way, Relisha slipped through the cracks. In 2014, Relisha began missing days at school. It started with one day here and there, and then it snowballed into weeks. By March 2014, Relisha had accumulated 30 days of absences, according to WUSA 9 reporting. What grabbed the attention of school administrators was a two to three week stretch of absences. It began to alarm school administrators how many days Relisha had missed, so they reached out to city officials. It's unclear what city officials were contacted by the school, but I'm assuming it was a social worker of some sort. The social worker reached out, but not to Shamika, Relisha's mother. It's unclear who they contacted, but they talked to someone who said that Relisha was really sick with a neurological condition, that her illness was so severe that she had to be under the care of a doctor for weeks, and that's why she wasn't in school. This person tells the social worker that Relisha has been under the care of someone called Dr. Tatum. Perhaps it was their gut feeling, or they were following protocol, but this social worker wanted more concrete proof that Relisha was actually missing school for health reasons and not for something darker. With only slightly more information about the whereabouts of Relisha, this social worker decided to head down to the DC General Homeless Shelter nine days later to investigate further. It's unclear why the social worker waited nine days, but it may be possible that their caseload was already heavy and this was as soon as they could visit, but when the city official arrived at the shelter, it became clear that something wasn't right. When the social worker arrived there and asked for Dr. Tatum, they were told that there was no Dr. Tatum, but there was a Khalil Tatum, and he was the shelter's janitor. That wasn't the only strange thing the social worker discovered that day. Staff at the shelter also revealed that along with Relisha's absence at the shelter, it had been a while since they had seen Khalil Tatum. This was alarming information. Clearly the story of Relisha being sick was untrue, but why was this elaborate story made up in the first place? Where did Relisha disappear to? And what did Khalil Tatum have to do with it? Relisha's mother, Shamika, claimed that she never knew that her daughter was missing for those few weeks. She claimed that she had left Relisha in the care of her own mother, Relisha's grandmother. But Relisha's grandmother, Melissa, claimed that Relisha was with Shamika. Shamika also claims that she wasn't the person who made the call saying that she was under the care of a Dr. Tatum. But one thing that is clear is that Shamika does admit to knowing Khalil Tatum. According to a Washington Post article, Shamika said that she met Khalil in 2005 and that Relisha considered him to be her godfather. The shelter had a rule. Employees cannot fraternize or interact with the residents outside of the shelter. Despite this rule, Relisha would come back from their outings with a new outfit or a manicure, according to relatives. And for Christmas, Khalil bought her a tablet device. Apparently, few in Relisha's family questioned his generosity. But Khalil did more than just buy gifts for Relisha. According to Crime Watch Daily, Khalil was allowed to take Relisha to the movies, take her to sleepovers, and stay in his care for days at a time. According to Relisha's step-grandmother, Khalil even opened bank accounts for Relisha. I will never understand how anyone could have allowed such a bizarre and alarming relationship to occur. Why did he only give attention to Relisha but not her brothers? 
Why was this 51-year-old man, who shared no relation to Relisha, spending so much time with her? The level at which Tatum showed Relisha attention sounds a lot like grooming. According to EducateEmpowerKids.org, just a few ways that a predator may try to groom a child is by paying special attention to the child and making the child feel special. They will get to know the child's likes and dislikes very well. A predator is likely to try to win over the affection of his or her intended victim by sharing these likes. A predator may offer to play games or buy treats for young children. They might do this by purchasing gifts that they know the child will want as a way to gain their trust and admiration. But these aren't the only ways. A predator might also isolate the child by involving him or her in fun activities that require them to be alone together. Part of the manipulation process is lowering the inhibitions of children. A skilled predator who can get children into a situation where they must change clothing or stay overnight will almost always succeed in victimizing them. Immediately after the social worker's visit to the shelter, Relisha's disappearance is reported to police. Not by Relisha's own mother, but by a social worker. And a major question that police had was, why did it take 18 days for her disappearance to be reported? Wasn't there someone out there who was waiting at home for her? Expecting her? There was another rule at the shelter. Only parents could take their kids out of the shelter. That means, one, Shamika would have had to give Relisha to Khalil outside of the shelter, or two, someone who was taking care of Relisha outside of the shelter would have allowed her to go with Khalil Tatum. So who was caring for Relisha before she disappeared? Well, according to WUSA reporting, Shamika said she never gave her daughter to Khalil, and she even blames her mother for allowing Relisha to go with Khalil. But Relisha's grandmother, Melissa Young, claims that Shamika and Khalil met at the shelter, and Shamika never objected to Relisha spending time with Khalil Tatum outside of the shelter. On March 20th, the DC police held a public press conference about Relisha's disappearance and issued an Amber Alert for Relisha. They asked the public to provide any information they knew about this missing girl, and police and FBI offered up a reward for any information that led to the return of Relisha or the arrest of Khalil Tatum. Police began investigating right away, and massive searches were underway when five days after the initial search, the FBI released a chilling surveillance video of Relisha Rudd and Khalil Tatum together. The video was timestamped 7.25 p.m. on February 26, 2004, almost a month before Relisha was reported missing. The video footage is alarming and honestly shocking. The footage shows 8-year-old Relisha and 51-year-old Khalil Tatum walking together down a hallway of a Holiday Inn Express located at 1917 Bladensburg Road, Northeast Washington, D.C., two and a half miles away from the homeless shelter. I have linked the video in the show notes if you want to see the video footage for yourself. In the video, Relisha is walking down the hotel hallway with a bag in her hand. It's indiscernible what's inside the bag. However, according to WUSA 9's reporting, Melissa, Relisha's grandmother, saw the footage, and she recalled that the day the footage was taken was also the day that Khalil was supposed to be taking Relisha to a pool party at a hotel. She also alleges that Tatum took Relisha to buy a swimsuit a day before the pool party, so that may be what is inside of the bag Relisha is carrying. This is useful information, I guess, but I have different questions that still have yet to be answered, like, why is this strange man allowed to buy a swimsuit for an eight-year-old girl he barely knows? Why are they alone in a hotel room together? How is this not suspicious and creepy behavior to Relisha's family? In the video, Relisha is wearing a pair of pink boots, and according to the FBI, she's wearing a purple Helly Hansen brand jacket with white stripes. 
She doesn't appear to be following Tatum against her will. It almost appears as if this behavior is totally normal occurrence in Relish's life. They both walk up to a hotel room, and Tatum slides the key in the door a few times as Relisha waits. And then they both disappear into the room with the door shutting behind them. Although Khalil Tatum was a janitor at a homeless shelter, he presented himself to others as the CEO. His neighbors and employees would take note of how he dressed, usually in a three-piece suit with a dress hat and glasses. To some, he appeared like he was just an ordinary grandpa. So when the surveillance footage of Khalil and Relisha was released, and when police began suspecting him and Relisha's disappearance, those who were close to Tatum said they were shocked. His supervisor even said that Khalil Tatum was, quote, a stellar employee, end quote. But Khalil Tatum had a criminal past, a long record that included breaking and entering and grand larceny. What's also interesting to note is that Khalil had filed for divorce from his wife of almost 24 years, just a few weeks before Relisha disappeared. And when police began searching for Relisha on March 19th, they were led to a Red Roof Inn in Oxon Hill, Maryland on March 20th, where they found Andrea Tatum lying face down on the bed with a gunshot to the head. Andrea died from a gunshot to the back of her head, so police determined that she most likely didn't see it coming because there was no sign of a struggle. They also found surveillance footage of Khalil walking into the room with his wife, Andrea, but there was also footage of him walking out alone. There was no Relisha. If she wasn't with Khalil anymore, where was she? The motive for Andrea's murder is unclear. Did she find something out about her husband that he didn't want exposed? It's possible we may never know because the events that unfold in the course of two weeks after Relisha's disappearance only causes more confusion and mystery. According to WUSA reporting, no one in Relisha's family, including her mother, could pinpoint the exact date that they last saw Relisha. So police were tasked to produce their own timeline of Relisha's disappearance. The only lead that they had was that surveillance footage of Relisha and Khalil at the Holiday Inn Express, but it would turn out that this isn't the last time that Relisha would be seen on surveillance footage. If you remember, the first video footage that police uncovered was dated February 26th. This new video footage that they discovered was dated on March 1st. In the footage, she was spotted at another motel, a day's in, but this footage was never released because it was part of an active investigation. On March 2nd, there is more surveillance footage uncovered, footage of only Khalil Tatum, no Relisha. This video footage is from a Home Depot about a mile away from the Days Inn where Khalil Tatum was last seen, and what Khalil Tatum purchases from that Home Depot is especially disturbing. The D.C. police chief stated to the public that Khalil Tatum purchased a carton of black 42-gallon self-tie contractor trash bags, a shovel, and lye. After this horrifying and dismaying discovery, the D.C. police shift Relisha's case from a search mission to a recovery mission. At this point, police were prepared to search for Relisha's remains. It is unclear where Tatum was between March 2nd at Home Depot and March 20th when Tatum's wife was found dead. After the disturbing video footage of Tatum at Home Depot, police raided the Days Inn motel room for evidence. They also began a wide search of Kenilworth Park, which is near the motel, after a cell phone signal showed that Khalil was once there. Kenilworth Park is massive. It's 700 acres with ponds and trees, which makes it a challenging place to search. Needing all the help they could get, police used volunteers, cadaver dogs, and even divers to help with the search for Relisha. 
Days and days passed, and each day the search came up empty. They still couldn't find Relisha anywhere. But there was eventually a break in the case when a body was found on March 31st, 2014. The body that they found in Kenilworth Park was not Relisha. It was Khalil Tatum. He was found inside a shed, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. They also discovered that the bullet came from the same gun used to shoot Andrea Tatum, Khalil's wife. This moment was devastating and heartbreaking. The one person who was last seen with Relisha, the person who could have provided answers about her disappearance, was now dead, and the whereabouts of Relisha now appeared to be going to the grave with Khalil Tatum. Police kept searching, but three days later, they called off the search at Kenilworth Park. But DC police claim that the search is far from over, and they need the public's help because someone somewhere knows something. Shortly after the search was called off, DC ordered a review of city agencies that worked with Relisha and her family, including the Department of Behavioral Health, the Department of Human Services, and DC Public Schools. Six months later, the report announced its conclusion, absolving the city of any blame, saying, quote, even if all of the policy and practice recommendations in this report had been in place and fully implemented, the review team did not find any evidence that these tragic events were preventable, end quote. Over the years, there have been many conspiracy theories about what could have happened to Relisha. A major theory has been that Relisha could have been sold into sex trafficking. However, this theory has never been supported by DC police or FBI. According to WUSA 9, these law enforcement agencies exhausted all of their resources and firmly believe that Relisha was not sex trafficked. It may be possible that people think Relisha was sex trafficked because of a previous instance of another child, a teenager from the homeless shelter where Relisha stayed, being trafficked a year before Relisha's disappearance. Allegedly, the DC police did not take this teen's case seriously because she had a history of running away. Eventually, she was safely returned to her family thanks to the help of the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children have been involved with Relisha's case, but despite using all the resources they have, they found no evidence that supported the theory that Relisha was sex trafficked but the center maintains that the case will never be closed until Relisha is found. There are so many things that are devastating about Relisha Rudd's disappearance. What is incredibly devastating is how Relisha was failed by virtually everyone around her. I will never be able to comprehend how Relisha was allowed to be in the care of a janitor from the shelter where she lived, a 51-year-old man who was a complete stranger and appeared to be preying on Relisha. I will never understand how her own family never grew suspicious of this man and how they failed to protect her. I will never understand how the homeless shelter let such a questionable relationship form between a resident and a staff member if there were rules in place that forbade it. It is incomprehensible how her family didn't notice that Relisha was missing for at least 18 days. How could no one miss her? How could her absence for a single day not feel utterly distressing and unbearable? How was her laughter not missed? Didn't anyone miss her big, bright smile? How was the silence not deafening? Relisha's life was worth more than what she was given for the short amount of time she was here. In 2018, authorities released an age progression photo of Relisha. I will have that photo linked in the show notes. And there is still a $50,000 reward for information. If you know anything about Relisha's disappearance or whereabouts, please call 202-727-9099.
you'd like to listen to more episodes of The Lost Crimes Library, you can find it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Remember, sharing is caring, so make sure to share this podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss any new episodes. This episode was written and hosted by Nisa Henderson. It was produced by Channing Tab and Nisa Henderson. <laughs>